Well, hello, guys. Welcome to another episode of Surviving Empathy. I'm your host, Brian Russell of Chef Fry Comedy, and you can always reach me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Chef Fry Comedy or uh, Surviving Empathy Podcast. And uh, today, ladies and gentlemen, I have my beautiful wife, and we are going to talk all about the paranormal. Uh, we're calling this episode Paranormal 101, Ghost Hunting and Ghost Hunting Equipment, Common Phenomenon versus Not So Common, and um, Sorting Out Fact for, from Fiction. And uh, we do that for a couple of reasons, because on the one hand, uh, we want to do it so that we create a baseline and standardization of uh, co- uh, evidence collection in ghost hunting and the paranormal but also we've got to do it for our own mental health because when we don't know how to sort out fact from fiction we can um, allow ourselves to open up to psychic attack and we can allow ourselves to believe in a lot of things that may or may not be real and that can have a detriment to our mental health over time it's not about making fun of people it's not about hurting anyone what it's about is discerning the greatest level of truth and understanding in the field, uh, not only for good science, but also for good mental health. And so Rebecca and I will talk about some common ghost hunting equipment. We'll talk about uh, common uh, techniques that they use. And then we'll get into some not so common techniques. And then lastly, we will talk about portals and the spirit realm. And trying to figure out what's real versus what isn't, because at the end of the day, it's it's all speculative, you guys. We can't always know exactly what's going on there, but we're going to attempt to give it our best shot. And so that's what this episode's about. Uh, grab yourself a drink, get a snack, get comfortable, and enjoy yourself. This is about, uh, let's say, an hour and 45 minutes long. You can break this up into sections if you wish. You can support us and our mission at patreon.com forward slash chef bright comedy and you can always come on over to my youtube channel uh, where we're gonna start putting up all fun tidbits and videos of just you know us living our regular life so we hope you enjoy this episode and let's begin well hello folks welcome back to another episode of surviving empathy i'm your host brian russell of chef bright comedy and today i have my wonderful and beautiful co-host and wife she's my best friend she's the host with the most Rebecca, Rebecca Russell, please say hi to the folks. Hello. <laughs> oh, nothing ever goes as planned. Never. Perfection is not my strong suit. <laughs> Me neither. Anyways, welcome back, you guys. Uh, today, we're going to talk about the paranormal. And uh, today's episode is going to be called Paranormal 101. Ghost hunting, common phenomenon versus not so common equipment and techniques and sorting paranormal fact from fiction now we did that a little bit last time but this time it's a little bit more specific in that well you'll see it's just a little bit different um but we want to kind of uh, go through what we have written here uh line by line and we'll just kind of address these things in in a what feels like a you know a natural order sound yes, good sir. sounds good all right <laughs> so uh Last time we talked uh, about uh, sorting out fact from fiction when it came to the paranormal, but we didn't go into a lot of detail. So this time we're going to go into a little bit more detail about that. Um, first w- thing we have here is apparitions, the stages of a manifestation, EVPs, and capturing video and audio evidence. Uh, and, and, and we'll talk about how c- cameras and certain things can pick up things that our eye can't see. So um, 
the first thing I'll talk about is apparitions. Um, a lot of apparitions we can see with the naked eye, but sometimes we can't. And I, we, we have learned over time that uh, the paranormal seems to uh, come out a lot more on uh, recording devices, whether that be audio or video recording devices. Uh, I think that has a lot to do with the fact that uh, you're talking about a full spectrum of light that the, that the camera can pick up, but that our eye cannot. And so we don't see infrared. We don't see gamma radiation. We don't see certain certain lights. And so when you have a full spectrum camera or just a plain old fashioned analog camera, it seems to do a lot more uh, ghost hunting than, than the human naked eye can ever uh, yes. do on its own. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Remember when we were uh, talking, we were watching uh, The Lamb House, Ghosts of Carmel, Maine, and he said that it seems like they get better evidence on old, shittier equipment. And uh, that's, yeah. that was because um, newer equipment has filtering technologies, and that can actually filter out some of your good evidence. So it'll filter out what it sees as background noise when that's actually the EVP that's that, the you, that you want to be want. Because, catching. yeah, if you had a car corporeal person you would actually you know want to see the person and not their movement or not um you know uh, their cigarette smoke or or something in the background that's not supposed to be there so it kind of tends to filter that out and that's why sometimes the the shittier the better and that's great for us ghost hunters because we don't have to spend an arm and a leg Mm -hmm. on a lot of expensive equipment um which is good because you know we don't we're not made out of money so it's nice that we have Anybody can get involved in this. Yeah, using your phone or a recorder yeah. on your phone, your camera on your phone. Basically, you can do a lot on your phone. Well, and I think that's why the ghost hunting and um, uh, paranormal evidence is getting so, so, there's so much more of it because there's everybody has a phone and voice recorder in their pocket. Yeah, absolutely. So You'd have really to go does. out and buy certain things. Like you. Nobody had a voice recorder in the old days. You had to go out and actually buy a little handheld recorder, and that was just right. extra expense and extra time. And yeah, now exactly. it's right there. No, and and so it's neat that our cell phones. Anybody with a cell phone can basically be a ghost hunter nowadays. Yeah. Really. So, so I did want to talk about um, apparitions. Um, I have a theory, and I don't. I think it's pretty well tested theory by now. But that um, when you're seeing things. In a, an image, uh, what we call an apparition, it seems like there is about five to seven stages of a manifestation of a ghost. And the reason that is, is because <clears throat> a lot of times you'll take a picture and you're not sure what you're seeing there. You might see a kind of a just a, a light blur. Sometimes you'll mm-hmm. see uh, like a like a big old mist cloud. Sometimes you'll see a very distinct orb. Sometimes you'll see an orb with a, t- a trail. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you'll see like what look what looks like um, little light images, like little half moon looking images and all this. Squiggles rain- and huh? weird squiggles and weird shapes. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. And so my belief and my theory is, is that um, what we're seeing is we're seeing something in the middle of a transformation. If a ghost has to, work up certain amount of energy to manifest, that would mean that um, they they start off at the most, 
the smallest amount of energy that they need to use, which is probably either a small orb or just invisible altogether. Yeah. And then as they manifest, the, the orb tends to seem, it gets bigger. And then oftentimes what you'll get is an orb that will turn into an apparition or a partial image. Um, and, and a lot of times uh, we don't always see the full transformation from orb to full vision to a full apparition. What do you believe is going on there? Because I've talked about it, and I'll go over it again, but I just, what are your thoughts on what we're seeing? Well, I think, like you've said before, it it could be something in the process of going from one stage to another, one form to another. Yeah. Or maybe they don't have enough energy to do a certain full thing, so they're just kind of the in-between state with well, what they can Yeah, manifest. exactly, right? And so when you see, when you, the reason why I, in coined these five to seven stages is that it starts as an orb and then it goes to like um, either a white or black mist. And then from there, uh, well, what, what I call uh, wisps. And I think what a wisp is, is either a puff of smoke or a puff of mist. I think it's transforming from its, you know, orb form into its uh, image form. And then, and then what happens from there is it, it becomes a black or white mist, then a black or white wisp. Um, and the difference being is that it doesn't, it's looking more like an image now and less like a puff of smoke. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. from there, usually you get, cause a lot of times you'll see an evidence where people say, Oh, I saw a weird thing of light. And it wasn't a ball. It was just like a weird shape of light. Mm-hmm. And I believe what we're seeing there is a partial image. We're just not seeing the whole thing. Yeah, it could be. You know? Mm-hmm. And that's why I, I tend to believe the best evidence that we can record and capture is in less light, not full darkness and not full light, but somewhere in between in that ambient light mode. Because it's enough where you don't want light drowning out your evidence. I feel like so much light, if you have too much light, it drowns out evidence. But if you if you don't have enough light, then, There's of no course, contrast. you can barely... It's like yeah. Zach Bagans stumbling around in the dark. It's like, what are you doing? You got this one-by-one-inch screen. You're, like, running mm-hmm. around. Right. I never did understand that. No, me neither. But I do believe, yeah, a nice ambient light, a, a nice natural light, so that you pick up the most amount of clear images because if these ghosts are manifesting uh, for us to see them, then it produces, it it probably takes energy for them to create an image because they're, they're, they're coming, they're becoming what they are, their full form. But uh, I I would imagine it would take photons to create an image and therefore it takes energy to create that image. And so I just find that fascinating yeah. You know, but but that's why I kind of coined the five to seven manifestations of a ghost because, you know, whether or not we're exactly accurate on six or five or seven is is really quite um, irrelevant to the greater point that we do seem to capture. When you're looking at evidence, it's important to kind of ask yourself, what are we seeing there? It's kind of like when you take a picture of your friend doing something and they're making a joke and they're jumping around and then. 
there's a backstory to it. You're like, what, what's going on there? You know, mm-hmm. oh, well, I was telling a joke and I was jumping up and down. Oh, okay. Cause you look the way I, you, it's the picture looks, you just look weird, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's the yeah. thing is like, if we're looking it's catching in between stages of yeah, things, cause you're catching, you're catching real life in motion. And so I would believe that a lot of times what we have to do when we're looking at these images is decide what is it? What part of the manifestation phase are we looking at? And that, seems to help me a lot because when we're watching a lot of these shows and they're showing actual evidence, um, you know, you can go, Oh, I see what's going on here. You see a partial image or you see a mist yeah. or you see like an orb. And uh, I want to ask your opinion because um, we also want to talk about what's not, what's more common as paranormal evidence and what is not as common. And so I wanted to talk about um, lately we've been seeing how orbs can take on um, uh, facial features and whatnot. What do you, do you believe? Because and they're so adamant. They're, yes, that's definitely Pirate Ron. You know, there he is. Mm-hmm. There's there's Ron the pirate. <laughs> <laughs> there he is. You can tell. There's this little eye patch and everything. What do you what do you think about that? I think a lot of times it's like when people look at the moon and say they see a face on the moon. I yeah. think it, part of it is a lot of it is wishful thinking. Yeah, or parad. How do you say it? Pareidolia? Pareidolia? I I've think it's both. pareidolia, <laughs> but I, I say both. Right? Yeah. I've noticed I exactly. accidentally say pareidolia sometimes, yeah, right. but I believe it's pareidolia. But yeah, yeah. we'll see. But I that's, think that's what it is a lot of times. I, I do too. But I, but then every once in a while, you it's like, well, maybe so, because maybe if this little spirit is getting ready to transform into their real self, Maybe you mm-hmm. would get this little tiny face and it would grow yeah. bigger until you finally had a full size mm-hmm. image, perhaps. So, yeah, I think it definitely can be. I yeah. think sometimes, like you said, people are so adamant, like, oh, that looks exactly like this and this and this. And you're like, right. mm, no, not really. Yeah. And, and it's, they're just so sure of themselves, you know? Yeah. It's like, uh, I don't know. Right. So, yeah, I think we have to keep an open mind because. Uh, sometimes it's compelling. It's like, oh yeah, I could see that, you know. Um, other times it's not, it's not as much. I think, yeah. and that's the whole thing about this paranormal stuff, including being an empath, including spiritualism, is that we, th- it's fun, it's creepy good fun, and sometimes it's, it's just, but it, sometimes it feels like, uh, humans, um, just kind of go into, batshit territory and they don't know where to draw the line and 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 so i'm open to the idea of apparitions being able to take on many many forms because they are energy and therefore perhaps they could take on a form other than themselves i'm open to that concept but i just feel like it gets to the point where you're just like oh my god that that's sounding kind of far-fetched and i do feel like we have to set up certain paranormal baselines or else you know, because we've been watching a lot of shows, you guys, and, you know, sometimes it's like all the common stuff, mists, shadows, all that stuff is normal. And I believe all that stuff is real. But then you start getting into lesser known things. And, um, you know, let's talk about uh, ghost hunting. Um, so uh, we're going to talk about uh, first, we're going to talk about ghost hunting and ghost hunting equipment. And then later we'll go into some of the more um, abstract techniques that we've seen lately, the fire lady and the water lady. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll talk about that. But let's first talk about um, 
ghost hunting in general. I think most of us get into this because of the ghost hunting shows, uh, ghost hunters, ghost adventures. I mean, they're the ones that kind of really brought it into the forefront of our, you know, cultural zeitgeist. Mm -hmm. And um, Mm -hmm. I think we have a lot to uh, thank them for in terms of um, certain beliefs and certain uh, baselines of uh, what works. Um, and so I wanted to go over some of the ghost hunting equipment. Now, I don't have a list here. I'm kind of going straight off of what I know because I've been a ghost hunter and ghost enthusiast most of my life. Um, but it seems like the most obvious ones are, you know, your, your digital camera. And recording equipment for EVPs yeah. and snapping mm-hmm. lots of pictures. And I think snapping a lot of pictures is a really good idea, especially if you're feeling a vibe, especially if you're feeling something, just snap pictures. Bat, 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 bat. You just keep snapping pictures and eventually something might show up. And start a recorder. And start a recorder, sure. Yeah, and that's why I'm also going. a big believer in uh, the static cameras. Um, the, the one, you know, Ghost Adventures calls it the X cameras. I think they're thinking of Static X, the band. static x they're like x cams like okay uh but um but i think they those static cameras are important because you can't record everything all the time and i believe that they catch the most stuff um because you just have something rolling the entire night and uh i think that's a really good idea Mm -hmm. oh definitely because yeah you never know when or where something's going to happen so covering the most amount of uh areas so i'm just gonna kind of quiz you Uh, just name some common uh ghost hunting equipment that we see a lot uh emf detector emf detector so if you guys don't know emf detectors are usually um a device used for um you know plumbers electricians um and what it's supposed to measure is electromagnetic frequencies that's why it's emf and, uh, and a lot of these guys, what they'll do is they'll stick a little coin in the button and that keeps it depressed longer because mm-hmm. really you're supposed to press the button. I think they make better ones now that you, that will stay depressed probably because of ghost hunting. Yeah. And probably. it's funny how technology changes to suit the needs of people. But I, but in the back in the day, they would shove a little penny in there or, or something and it would keep that button depressed longer so that you could, continually check the areas for waves do you do you believe that's valid yes i do yeah and like you said you have like they were originally made for electricians and things so you have to keep in mind that that background stuff is what you could be seeing excuse me Mm -hmm. um and make sure that that's not a natural thing but yeah i think it's definitely a valid thing yeah no i absolutely do too yeah so i believe uh emf uh, meters are very valid uh especially one- when sorry but especially when they're in places like an old old house where there literally is no electricity there's yeah. no actual electricity going there there's no wires in the walls there's no right. anything so anything that pops up yeah well and that's more- the thing we have to be careful with the emf detection and any kind of electricity detection is that we have to first rule out that it's not coming from the house or the walls yeah because that's how they found you know what's called a fear cage is a lot of times people will think they're hallucinating, uh, especially in the basement. And, and, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like that, w- what came first, the chicken or the egg? Basements are notoriously considered haunted or creepy. 
But then also basements not only um, do have a lot of spirits, because it seems like that's where a lot of spirits like to dwell, especially negative spirits. And I'll kind of ask you at the end about that. Mm-hmm. But um, but it does seem like uh, uh, also, uh, you know, it, there's a lot of fear cages set up in these basements because it feels like uh, grounding, the, the wiring and all that was sort of an afterthought in the part mm-hmm. of the house that doesn't uh, worry about cosmetic wall uh, walls and such. So you yeah, have all this over wiring yeah. and plumbing. And when you have the electricity going around with your water, you get a lot of kinetic energy too. And so I think it's first we have to rule out uh, high EMF readings whenever you're in a house, because if you have high EMF, it could cause hallucinations. It could cause headaches. It could cause fear and paranoia to happen. And so we have to always make sure that we're ruling out natural Credible well, that's why it's a good first. idea to just kind of go through the area you're going to be in and get a baseline. Make sure you know exactly right. what you're starting out right. with. Get your and then baseline. You need variations on that. Exactly. And that different. way, if you go through the house and you kind of get an understanding of where the peaks and dips and valleys are, okay, that's an electric socket. And, and a good idea also is to turn all the electricity off. Yeah. Go to the breaker. That's, yeah. Hit the main. You mm-hmm. know. So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. Uh, Ram pods. What do you think? Uh, those are the ones that just they, detect when something's around yep, it, right? They yeah, have, they look like a little mm-hmm. hockey puck, a little a bit little bigger. Antenna on little it. antenna yeah. on it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a a good thing too because if you can see that there's literally no person around it, there's no object, then yeah, it'll detect if something Something's is around in that it, area. Some type of yeah. I I believe those are valid mm-hmm. too. Uh, yeah. I believe voice recorders and EVPs are valid, of course. And I do believe that uh, cameras seem to pick up things that we can't. And that's where we can get into like FLIR cameras, the heat detection, and also, uh, you know, infrared and uh, and then full spectrum cameras. Well, and then that just made me think of animals because they can see different spectrums than we can. That so is that makes very sense true. why they can sometimes see things because they actually see different ranges. Not of only light are they more people. open because they're. They're not as cynical as people. They have an open mind because they don't know what's real and what isn't. Yeah. They wouldn't, something like there, a child, they wouldn't have yeah. a strong belief, disbelief or something mm-hmm. that would taint their vision. Yeah. Uh, but also, yeah, I, I agree. See I think differently. animals act, literally see spectrums of light mm-hmm. that we don't. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's why I think it's so important to have a full spectrum camera or a camera with full spectrum uh, in, in it, because when you put it on that full spectrum, you're seeing everything from gamma radiation to microwaves to infrared and everything. Ultraviolet. Uh, Ultraviolet. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. exactly. So uh, because, yeah, we don't we know that ghosts are energy, but we don't we're not exactly sure what kind of energy. And that's why mm-hmm. full spectrum is important, because we don't know what they're made of. Now, if we could isolate it and go, oh, we know the frequency range of a ghost is this to this, you know, mm-hmm. band yeah. of frequency. Then we could isolate it and only look for that. But the thing about that is, is that we, we're not sure. As soon as we think that we know the vibration frequency mm-hmm. of a ghost, they Seems might like they be able change. to change yeah. it. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, laser grids and laser dots. Mm-hmm. I think that's good stuff. Yeah, because it 
it'll just have a, a flat grid of light. And then if anything disrupts it, any type of movement, any anything going through there, mm-hmm. it disrupts the light. So yeah, and that's, that's why a, really a lot good... of people just use their, um, uh, what is it, uh, not not PlayStation, but the other one. Oh, the, the Wii's that have the... Not Wii, but it's... I thought it was. No, <laughs> it's <laughs> not Wii. <laughs> it's, um, golly, hold on. I think it's the, the Xbox. It, it does this... Um, I can't even remember what it's called, but it does this special lighting <laughs> mm-hmm. that's, you know, that apparently, you know, people have picked up things in their house while yeah, they're gaming and they're like, yeah, it'll pick up like a face. So it'll make a, like where you're sitting, it'll do kind of a grid of where your face is. But then all of a sudden it picks up a grid in the middle of the room. Yeah. And you're like, oh, no I wasn't there. there. What's that? Yeah. So when that's the thing is that, you know, anything that's useful, I think is, is a good thing. The only thing we have to be careful, though, of in this is that I think energy measuring electromagnetic energy is valid. Any type of photography is valid. Any type of audio recording is valid. But then you start getting into like uh, Bill Chapel. Bill Chapel is the guy who builds a lot of this equipment for Ghost Adventures. And uh, it's probably because, you know, Travel Channel has deep pockets and they could probably pay yeah. these guys to help them out, but um, uh, the Ovulus and the Ovulus 2, and then uh, what's that one called where uh, it it, ha- it shows the stick figures of the people? Do you remember what that's no, called? No, I don't remember the... Yeah. So I decided to go ahead and stop this and uh, look at uh, this website. It's called uh, bhphotovideo.com, and uh, it talks about the 10... Most common equipment and what we have here is a light. So like a head, headlight, mm-hmm. uh, kind of like the one I have that goes on yeah. your forehead. Anything that gives you some type of ambient light. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, uh, the, 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 uh, flashlights that, that screw on and off. If you, if you unscrew yeah. that back, you can get the ghost to, uh, turn Move it back it on bit. by screwing yeah. it. Mm-hmm. So there, that's, that's a thing. Yeah. Uh, we've got here mobile surveillance. So yeah, a lot of uh, static cameras we're talking about, uh, temperature uh, cameras. Uh, we got here, uh, the FLIR and then, um, sound recording. So all these different, um, uh, devices. And then there's even, um, you know, like you can set up cameras kind of like with your home camera that, that detects, uh, audio or that detects Mm -hmm. visual. That's really good too because then you're not yeah, wasting it, all yeah, that. It kicks on storage. if it senses any type of movement mm-hmm. or any type of sound. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, the temperature thing is something that probably would have just so an easy one to forget would be a thermometer because so many yeah. times there's drastic drops well, in temperature when things. Yeah, and show so we up. paused here for a second because the name was escaping me. So that Bill Chapel guy, he makes things for the Ghost Adventures crew. And one of them does this thing where, and I can't find the name of it anywhere. <laughs> it's out there. But the point is, is that I don't really buy it anyways. I mean, it does seem sometimes that you can get corroborating evidence where somebody will say, I feel something next to me. And then that seems to pick it up. So there might mm-hmm. be validity to that. You know, and I'm talking about the one where you go into the camera and then it shows a bunch of dots and then it connects those dots and makes a stick figure. Yeah. 
And so it kind of helps you to determine whether there's something there. Mm -hmm. But oftentimes it just looks ridiculous because you've got this like little Muppet kind of dancing around. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not to say that it's, it doesn't work, but I tend to believe that the, the, the more high tech it is, the less likely it is to be real. Yeah. The less likely it is to be valid because mm -hmm. I think the easiest stuff is the best stuff. Um, and that's why like Mel meters can, uh, not only uh, detect um, EMF, but it can also detect sudden temperature changes as well. And so yeah. just having uh, one of those uh, laser temperature things yeah. might work, you know? Yeah, so, I, would, I would think so, yeah. Anyways, I don't want to get into the weeds of all the equipment, but my, my main point is is that, um, you know, the oh, and I, I did want to talk about the spirit box. The spirit box is the one that has the white noise that goes back and forth in radio frequency. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good one. Yeah. Um, and I like the idea of the ovulus where it's like a speak and spell. It, uh, the ghost can choose words in this mm -hmm. dictionary full of words. My only problem with that is, is that how do we know that that's what's happening? Yeah. If you can't that's prove what's happening, then anything you get from that evidence would have to be corroborated with other more reliable instrumentation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that. That's one I kind of always give the side eye to because right. it's just, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but like you said, if things are corroborating and it's one yeah, piece exactly. of it, yeah, exactly. It can help it if you have multiple things happening or that. multiple things measuring something. Then, as a corroborating piece of evidence, sure, yeah. why not? But um, uh, but I was going to say about the spirit box. I think that's a really good one because unlike an EVP, it's kind of like you can get EVPs EVPs in real time. And what it does is it creates a white yeah. noise pattern and the ghost can use that pattern to manipulate itself into its own voice. And it, it to me, it's really cool because it seems like it's the only thing that we can talk to ghosts in real time with mm -hmm. and you hear their real voice. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, it is really interesting. And, yeah. and, I, tend to, and I tend to believe it works because... It's it's simple technology. You're just talking about a radio band that goes back and forth very quickly, and then in that white noise, it can create its own voice. So yeah. And speaking of the term white noise, the movie White Noise is mm -hmm. literally the first time I ever heard of yeah EMFs. Those I'd never right. I never knew anything about that before, and that introduced me to it. And yeah. Well, it's a really well done movie because uh, this guy uh, lost his wife i think and then he goes down this 20-year rabbit hole of videotaping these these creatures and 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 then he talks about how the the ghost world uh that this can become an obsession especially if you're trying to find a lost dead relative or something yeah. that it can really lead you down a dark world because not only do you um start putting all your time and energy into this but a lot of times at the end, you start finding dark entities and things that you didn't want to find. And yeah. uh, and I think that's a good cautionary tale because the paranormal is a lot of fun, but it really requires balance. Because if you don't pull back from that world, you can live in that world. And especially if you're sensitive, you can really start to um, just get into a very dark and deep mindset and um, I, I don't know. I just feel like you kind of have to keep things light in the ghost hunting world because you get down, the, go down that rabbit hole and you'll kind of end up with like, like what happened to the ghost adventures crew where they all have had attachments. They've all had dark things happen in their life as a result 
of their paranormal investigations. And the mm-hmm. point of this is to is, is to learn, but it's also to have fun. Uh, and if, if, if it's not one of those two things, the other third reason would be just to corroborate, um, you know, who this person, this, you know, you want to find out who uh, a ghost is like in the past. And if you can find out ways, especially direct evidence where they're telling you stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm constantly blown away at what the lamb house and Kent Burris, uh, finds out because he's solving unsolved murders, from these EVPs, and do you believe yeah. that? I, well, <laughs> I can't articulate myself. Yeah. Um, I think some of it, yeah. I think some of it, yeah. Is well, maybe a stretch on some things. Sure, but well, and that's the thing is, you know, you know, a, a lot of what Kent does is good work. I believe him. I think he's a good guy. Um, and my only thing is, my only criticism would be is that a lot of his EVPs are very fast and very convoluted. And so he has to slow them down and, and process them and, and amplify them to the point where you hear them. And, and that's fine. But a lot of times we can, you know, have what's called audio pareidolia where you're, you think you're hearing something that you're not. Yeah. Or a bias that you want to hear a certain thing. So you oh, yeah. will hear that. So oh, yeah. You know, it's like, have to be careful with that. Like last night we were watching a show and I thought they said it sounded like they were saying hello. And for a second I was like, it sounds like he's saying Milo. I don't know. You know? Right. Yeah. And if you, so the power of suggestion can really, really can taint your evidence. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and, and that's kind of the problem with this whole thing is that, you know, I want to talk now about those those two girls. The first we saw the water girl. I call them the water girl, and then uh, the fire girl. Is that the first lady? These guys, these people claim to be a medium of sorts to have an extra sensory perception, and that they can talk with the dead in certain unique ways. The first girl, uh, what did she do with the water? She put water on a stove and set it to boiling, and mm-hmm. then she would take a video of it. And right. then go through it frame by frame. And find and then images, find images of, of the dead mm-hmm. who were contacting her so that uh, they she could contact the families of yeah. the deceased. Yeah. And, and, you know, and the thing is, she was a really nice lady. And the family that she was helping was really nice, too. It was that woman and her, her son had died. Mm-hmm. And, sh- and they are sure, 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 without a shadow of doubt that they contacted him because not only did did he she find images of him in this water which is crazy (laughs) but then uh later on she was catching evps and such of his voice yeah so it's like maybe there's something to that you know because on the one hand we really have to be careful that we don't tippy toe into crazy territory and that goes for ghosts hunting and with being an empath is that a lot of times you gotta be grounded. If you start tippy-toeing into absurdist territory, you might be uh, convincing yourself thing of things that are happening that perhaps aren't. Yeah. That being said, I mean, there's we have to also be open-minded to the fact that perhaps some people, you know, they it's their weird special pet trick. It's their right. weird special yeah. gift, you know. Yeah, and that's why, like she. She showed a few of her things that she had seen compared to pictures. Mm-hmm. And some of them, they they pretty much did look like the picture. Right. And some of them are such a stretch that it's, it's right. really hard to say. Well, so. and that's just it, is that the photos, 
we were seeing these images that she would take and then they would show that juxtaposed against uh, an image in a photo album of somebody. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it was pretty striking. Other times I'm like, "Mm, that's a little bit of a stretch. Yeah. It's kind of like when somebody says, and I saw a demon and then you see this shadow with like vague looking horns Mm -hmm. and vague looking arms. Yeah. You're like, and that's a stretch yeah you know Mm -hmm. so that's all i mean is i'm not trying to poo-poo them or poo-poo everything about it i just mean to say that when we're gathering evidence and we're gathering uh baselines um that sometimes the absurdist stuff tends to hurt ghost Mm -hmm. hunting credibility more than it helps yeah and we have to be careful with that because i want to believe them i do what do you think about the talk about the fire lady so that lady was just drawn to her fireplace and it was more mm-hmm. like a, a wood stove. It was kind of an enclosed with a glass right. front. Mm-hmm. And so she started taking pictures, looking into this wood stove with the embers and the red and the orange and all that. And you know, with her, her, she actually started, she saw a picture on their um, video camera outside, like the ring thing. Mm, yeah. But then that was just one thing. And then she started being drawn to the fireplace mm-hmm. and, she was seeing images of faces in the embers and the, right. the flames. And, and I find that, you know, on the surface, crazy talk. But they're so earnest and they're so nice that I want to believe them. <laughs> Especially yeah. when they're helping real families. Well, yeah. and if it kind of corroborates the fact that this family believes it 100%. Mm-hmm. So, well, with that first lady with the water, like she actually, <clears throat> once she saw this picture and then found this family, then... After that, they actually started getting EVPs and things. Right. Which really then, corroborated. So that corroborated. It corroborated her, her findings. Right. Yeah. And that's why as crazy and ridiculous and absurdist as it sounds, um, there's this part of me that reserves judgment because um, what Who if knows? we're just not privy to certain things? What if these are very, very rare occurrences? And that's their gift. And that's their and gift. That's right. Their, yeah. And. A lot of it, too. Like, if it's bringing people comfort, then mm-hmm. okay. As long as it's not going overboard, I think if it can help well, someone, then okay. If it helps them feel better about things, sure. losing someone. Well, sure, and it brings closure. So I'm fine with all that. Um, well, and as an energetic empath myself, um, you know, my friends growing up don't believe in ghosts, don't believe in empath shit don't believe in any of this stuff and they mock me behind my back the way I would um, not mock, but you know, sort of um, not believe these more absurdist claims. Mm -hmm. And and so the thing is that I've taught them is like, I mean, Craig and Roger were in the room when I sensed the spirit. Mm -hmm. I was like, they were there and yet they don't understand it. And so Mm -hmm. they're not sure where that's coming from. It's like, well, it's not, it's not a magic power. That's what I'm trying to tell you guys is that it's not, it's not a magic power. It's an, some of us are just energetically sensitive. And sometimes when you feel a spirit, it feels like somebody's in the room and nobody's in the room. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I was catching. I was, when I first met Roger, I was like, we went to his house and he had uh, gotten this house from, the woman who passed away, who he cared for, her, he was a caregiver. And then it was about three months later, and I said, who died in here? Yeah. He goes, oh? Like, right. he just went, what? Mm-hmm. He went, whoa? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it's like, well, 
And it's not so weird to me because I've always been um, just an awkward, shy child that had a, a, a super sensitivity. And as I've gotten older, I would have to say that I've gotten better at controlling it. Um, but that being said, I'm sometimes I sense things without knowing why. And that's mm-hmm. my little gift. Mm-hmm. But But I don't think of it as a magic power. That's what I mean is that most people, when you watch these ghost shows... They're like, I felt this. I felt that. We're, we all have it, you guys. That's mm-hmm. my point is we can, I don't, I, I wouldn't say we can train to get better at it. Uh, like it's not like doing push-ups and Jedi training or something. <laughs> you know, like, you're not training, training, but, um, you can open yourself to that mm-hmm. part of you if you allow it. Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, that, and that kind of goes into what I call evoking a spirit. Anytime you make contact with the dead, you are in a way encouraging uh, a connection. You're in, you're opening a channel. You're um, you're encouraging them, and that sometimes can make ghost activity worse. And that's why if you were to go into a home that's haunted and they're trying to you're trying to help them and you're trying to gather evidence, yes, that's great. But the ultimate goal is not to capture evidence as much as it is to create understanding of what's going on. And probably more than that, to uh, limit the amount of activity they're having. And so that's why you have to be careful with this, because you can actually get to the point where you're so curious about this, kind of like with Kent. He's so curious, but now they never leave him alone. Right. Yeah, it's the whole, you, you need to open yourself up to it to a certain extent, but you can't be open all the time, or that's all you think about, right? because it's, it, it invites things. Exactly, and that invites things through your energy. You're opening up a line, and sometimes you have to set boundaries with the spirits, uh, and more than that, um, we have to do a couple of things. with Every time we do a ghost hunt, we are evoking a spirit, and therefore what we should be doing is a couple of things. Is we need to close that channel. So we have to, uh, what would you call that? Just, I don't know. You would, it's what you, I think closing a channel is good. Yeah, it's, yeah, you just got to make sure the there's session. an ending to it. Yeah. Because, I mean, we should think of, <clears throat> we should think of ghost hunting as a form of like a spirit board. We call yeah. it a spirit board session. We should call ghost hunts a spirit, a ghost hunting session. And therefore we must, whenever we do that, we should open the channel and then close the channel. And then after we close the channel, I think what we should do is always cleanse and then make sure that you set the boundaries so that they don't follow you home because Mm -hmm. it happens all the time. Yeah, definitely. And how they attach, I don't know, but it seems to happen a lot. Yeah. And I think it's, yeah, it's it's closing. It's telling them they can't follow you. It's closing your energy to it. It's closing mm-hmm. yourself off from it and for setting, the time being. You're closing. Yeah, you're closing the channel. You're energetically closing that channel. You're energetically setting boundaries and limitations, and you're energetically telling them, "Thank you. We're done now. Session is over." So it's kind of mm-hmm. an energetic turning point that this is done now, yeah. and that yeah. that kind of tells the ghosts. Thank you for communicating with us. Uh, we're done now. You can mm-hmm. go about your business. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, let's see here. Let me take a look at my list here. Oh, okay. So I wanted to talk about light versus dark. Now, 
a new theory of ours is that a lot of, we're seeing a lot of black mists, black shadows, gray mists, gray shadows, and then uh, sometimes, oftentimes, a white mist or white shadow. And uh, I know it kind of gets cliche to think the white, the good guys wear the white and the bad guys wear the black. But there might be something to this. Talk about that a little bit. What do you think is going well, on there? I, I kind of think it it also turns into one of those chicken and egg things because comes do first? we see white and assume good and see black and assume bad? Or has that been such a, a part of human processing for so long that now these entities know that that's, that's how we think? So they appear a certain way because that's how they are. Oh, they know that's how that we we'll see them. I kind of look at it like this, is that lighter, benevolent spirits, good spirits, um, they don't hold as much negative energy. And I believe negative energy creates what's called a negative energetic negative void. And as such, it's creating a darkness, heaviness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why sometimes some um, spirits seem uh, very oppressive or dark they kind of create a cast a shadow Mm -hmm. or they create an oppression in a room or environment Mm -hmm. and then a a wider lighter spirit uh, not only is less heavy and less deep um therefore you're not creating that void of Mm -hmm. sorts but you're also even creating um positive energy and so there could be something to that because positive and negative energy is a very common thing and so why not why wouldn't you know, perhaps because it's so negative, uh, it's 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 showing up as a negative void, it's mm-hmm. negative space, if you will. Yeah, it's hard to say. Well, but what if you know, like poor little dead Gertrude over here? <clears throat> that's the only way she can present herself, <laughs> and everybody thinks she's this horrible, evil entity. Well, <laughs> and that's the thing that we have to be careful of: is our biases. Yeah, is that. We don't assume that all white mists are good mm-hmm. and all dark shadows are bad because, yeah. yeah, what if what if poor old Gertrude is like <laughs> where the only way came from? <laughs> she only has enough energy to to do this much, yeah, and it comes as and a shadow or right. a mist, and everybody's mm-hmm. afraid of her, thinking she's a shadow figure, yeah. when mm-hmm. all she really is is just a very weak, lingering spirit. Yeah. So that's <laughs> that's a really good food for thought. Yeah. yeah, I think there's credibility to the the white and light mm-hmm. being positive because in the just darkness because of things that you've seen and experiences that we've seen people have. It does kind of corroborate that. So yeah, a lot of times the, the energy is is feels dark, mm-hmm. and those are the types of entities that show right. themselves. So. Well, and, and so we can use that as a guideline, but we should never make it a total mm-hmm. concrete rule yeah. because yeah what if poor gertrude's like hey man uh, no i'm not evil i'm just <laughs> i'm just trying to get your attention like everybody else you know? in other words weaker energies might only come across in the only way that they know how yeah yeah so, who knows <laughs> yeah so you know and that's my rule of thumb is that the less technological equipment is the more reliable i think it is mm-hmm. and that kind of goes into what I have written here. You are the best instrument in ghost hunting. Um, We should never, we human beings are very um, interesting creatures in that we're very intelligent. We have energy ourselves. We all die. And therefore we have this weird symbiotic relationship to the afterlife because it's basically us. We're just mm-hmm. us that have passed, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I, I tend to believe that we are the best instrument. But that being said, 
Um, we are also, you know, so uh, influenced by our uh, cultural uh, phenomenon, our, our cultural expectations, our religious backgrounds. So I think it can also taint evidence as well. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be very objective in the way that we use ourselves as a conduit to fuel things. Because I think at the end of the day, I mean, you know, you talk, we were talking about here, let me start this new uh, topic. So when I think of like opening and closing uh, a session, I think about ghosts and energy and they're lingering around you. And that gets me to thinking about attachment, oppression, possession, morphing, uh, and mm -hmm. sensing ghosts and their emotions around you. And so that's why sometimes you could just break down crying because you're, you're getting the, either the emotions of a very sad ghost that's yeah. full of despair, or you might be sensing a negative spirit or something like that, or you have this energy around you while you're sleeping, which I don't know how anyone could sleep around a ghost. Mm -mm. But <laughs> but imagine you're in a, a haunted environment and you go to sleep um, and you might have dreams because who knows? Maybe the ghosts are either consciously or just because you're in that environment, you're in that energy, you're having uh, dreams about that ghost or you're having dreams mm. about what they went through or you're having some dark thing happen in a nightmare that yeah. you wake up and then you attribute to your environment. You want to talk about your beliefs on that? Well, I think when you sleep, you you're losing consciousness. So I think different parts of your your brain and your body will be open up to things when you're not consciously tamping them down and telling them sure. to go away. So it's kind of like a kid that doesn't know yet. Right. It's just, well, you're yeah, open, and that's more open to it. Yeah, and that's why I say that we should try to be open-minded because if you go into a ghost hunt um with you know too closed minded uh you're you might not pick up anything you're cynical um and then again you know i know a lot of cynics go in and they do what's called provoking and mm -hmm. anytime you provoke a spirit um you can get a bad reaction i generally don't think provoking is a good idea yeah. um you know, because it seems like the cynics are the ones that provoke the most because they yeah. don't believe it's happening. Mm -hmm. Like, show yourself or else you're not real. And then and then usually they get burned or they get scratched mm -hmm. or they get an attachment or yeah. something negative can happen. Like, a lot of times that person could go home and nothing physical happens. They see no outward signs of a ghost. But over time, they start developing depression. They start developing yeah. uh, sadness. They start bad luck things bad things are happening in their life and so that's the thing that we don't know is the more subtle aspects to ghost hunting is that when we're interacting with these spirits we don't know how they can affect our lives mm -hmm. and while i do there's a part of me that's like oh come on you know mm -hmm. get real you know i do believe that these things are real because i we've seen it time and time again affect people where it either affects their mental health or it affects their emotional health, or it affects their life in some negative way. What do you think is going on there? I, I, I think a lot of times when people are so cynical about things and they mm -hmm. they don't have any type of 
of protection or closing because they don't believe in it. Well, so maybe that the kind of in a way leaves them, them and yeah, they're, kind of, they're anger, angered at your cynicism, yeah, perhaps? Yeah, and it kind of in a way leaves them maybe more open to more it vulnerable. because they don't believe in it, right. so they don't have any type of protections for themselves. Perhaps, yeah. So, and spirits can sense that, maybe. Yeah, well, either they sense your disbelief or they sense your mockery and they yeah, end up as a challenge. Them. Yeah. They see it as a challenge, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. Well, and other times, you know, you can believe in this stuff and still get an attachment, still get a spirit that, like I said, um, sometimes you can get attachment and it can come home and you literally start getting a haunting. And other times mm-hmm. it's not as severe where you're just, you feel off. You've, you're not sleeping right. You're having weird dreams. Your life is going into the shitter, and over a six-month period, these things are happening. And then one day, it, it dawns on them, oh, that ghost hunt, that's mm-hmm. when it started. Yeah. And then they have to kind of do some cleansing ritual to sort of either close the channel or end mm-hmm. that session or, or to set boundaries where, no, you're not allowed here. I think, yeah. you know, so what would you say for somebody who gets an attachment? Not saying very many people get it, but mm-hmm. what would you say if an attachment happens, what would be the best way to handle that? I, I would find somebody that knows more about these things. Yeah. Than, oh, I sure. mean, definitely talk to someone that knows how to deal with that kind of thing. But uh-huh. I think you have to just try to stand up for yourself and kind yeah, of just me, make it be known that this is my body. This is my my mm-hmm. sacred space, and you mm-hmm. can't be here. You can't be bothering me. You might have to like forcefully cleanse, or yeah. or you could uh, talk to the spirit and tell them. Maybe you could go return to the place and say, mm-hmm. "Here, stay here, like, stay this here." Is, this yeah, is your place. Yeah, yeah. Hard to say. Yeah, because yeah, that's the thing is, you know, that's where you know we can start getting into that world of make believe, that world of fantasy, where we think all these things are happening because through the power of suggestion. We um, bad things happen after a ghost hunt, and therefore mm-hmm. blah blah blah. But what if it was just happenstance? You know, unless you yeah. have physical proof, how can you prove these things? And that's why I just I believe in being open minded, but I also believe where do we draw that distinction of credibility? Where I mean, yeah, because I think we hard. should be open minded, but yeah, we have to draw the line somewhere. Mm-hmm. Well, you- it's like that one we watched last night where. <laughs> They went to the Lizzie Borden house. Yeah. And this woman was convinced that the father, Lizzie Borden's father, like followed her home. Right. So I remember I turned to you. I'm like, so does that mean it's not haunted anymore? Because right. she took him home with her? You just took or, the ghost home. Yeah, exactly. Well, or can they, because they're energy, can mm-hmm. they just leave part of their energy with you well, and keep part of it I there? that's what I was going to say. Um, we tend, you know, because you hear this time and time again, somebody will have a ghost encounter or some ghost story. And they'll say, um, now I believe in the afterlife, or now I believe in heaven, or now I believe that the, the dead walk among us. And, and I don't think it's that cut and dry. No, because, I, yeah, I don't either. Yeah, because I, I do believe, what if there's what's called energetic splintering, where an entity could splinter off into several mm-hmm. pieces of themselves and be in two places at yeah, once? And that, I, that episode last night, I think, was kind of the spark for me starting to think about that right well and other things have reminded me that as well because um you know what if you know you're interacting with a ghost and you know because we're always concerned about their their mortal uh remains and the respecting their their mortal remains and respecting their death 
and having a ritual to honor them in death. Um, but also, um, you know, if, if they're roaming this house, then they're clearly not passed over. And so that gets you thinking about uh, whether or not that spirit is at rest or not. What do you think's going on there? I think I think it's it can be all different things, but that's one of my concerns when people do have things happening. Mm-hmm. I think the first thing once you kind of establish what's going on should be to try to establish who it is and if they need help moving on. Because I don't like the fact, yeah. the idea of leaving mm-hmm. something in a house as an attraction like if it's it's an entity that really needs help moving on then help them don't leave them around like a sideshow you know and i don't believe that most like kent at uh ghosts of carmel maine i don't believe he is intentionally trying to Mm -hmm. use it as an attraction well he even had a case where one of the one of the women he thought she had moved on mm-hmm. didn't hear from her for a long time right. then all of a sudden she showed up again so yeah. is that an ability that maybe well, some have to and that yeah and that, that goes into what i i would call maybe a transcendentalism where they can be either they can show, go anywhere at any time in other words you can summon them and they can come back mm-hmm. or they can coexist in two places yeah or yeah. Maybe what we're talking to isn't the real them, <clears throat> but just a facsimile of their essence. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. you know, these ghosts are not solving quadratic equations. They're not <laughs> doing gigantic, enormous feats of intellectual yeah. prowess. Mm-hmm. They say hi. They do this. They do that. It's very basic stuff. And yeah. so maybe... What we're getting is is not the entirety of that person. Maybe we're only getting a remnant or just the essence of that person, mm-hmm. and and perhaps they have passed on. But we're we're playing around with their just a little bit of energy. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing. But that's why it's so weird because we should always assume that any ghost or spirit that you're interacting with is probably alive that's why they call it a residual haunting versus a uh what do they call that hun um <laughs> is it like i can't remember the exact term it's more like an active intelligent intelligent haunt. intelligent haunt. yeah <laughs> because you're getting intelligent answers yeah. to questions mm-hmm. and so could of course a a residual because when i think of residual ghosts it's kind of like you know old mother hubbard you know floated through the wall and right. every day at 10 o'clock, I see mm-hmm. her floating through that wall. Yeah. In other words, we're just seeing an image of time and space replaying itself. And a lot of times with things like that, if someone sees something going through a wall, it's because there's been a, a remodel on the yeah. building and it used to be a hallway. Sure. And she'd be walking up and down the hallway every yeah. night at the same time. So well, it- and that's really what makes this whole thing fascinating is that I don't think anything is, is cut and dry and that's why we almost have to stay open-minded to the things that might sound more absurd because at the end of the day, um, it's kind of like the Hulk said, you know, either all of this is real or none of it none is. Of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so we have to be open to the idea of what we're, what this is because mm-hmm. maybe they have passed on and we're just dealing with their remnant energy or, mm-hmm. or maybe there's a splinter or faction where a piece of them is, is splintering off. Um, I don't, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't feel comfortable with that because I, I would like to believe that because that kind of takes away agency. I've been talking a lot about agency lately mm-hmm. and that takes away from agency because if a ghost is their own free agent, 
then they don't want somebody talking on their behalf down here on Earth yeah. when they've already passed over. Mm-hmm. So I tend to believe either they're here or they're not. But I think we just, I think for us humans, us humies, as they call us, <laughs> is is that um i think what's going on there is is that um we have to um you know respect the dead and respect that an energy that's saying yes i'm here i i I don't know i just it's so confusing but it is but it just i don't know my point is is that um i i i tend to believe because i am a believer in agency People have their own freedom. People have their own ability to act as their own best interest. I would hate to think that our agency means nothing and that there's some version of ourselves walking around out there representing us when it's not really us. So I tend to believe that we just don't understand, I think, the, the, um, the rules of the paranormal, um, how ghosts can come back. Like perhaps ghosts can come back anytime they want. Maybe there's the, you know, they will themselves here. Yeah. They will themselves yeah. back. It's kind of like transporting, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we don't know. And that's, that's, yeah. that's the fun of it. Well, honestly. it does seem like the rules of energy would dictate that um, when a person dies, a lot of times their energy uh, lingers for a few days. And that gives them a chance. I think that's their what, what we call the transition phase. And that's where they can uh, make their goodbyes say goodbye, whatever they're having trouble with, they can make amends in that moment. And then after a few days, like you had with Jay, you felt like Jay passed away, visited you, made his amends, and then Mm -hmm. said goodbye to his mom, said goodbye to you, everybody he was close to, then Mm -hmm. left. And then you never saw him again, right? No, I did have that. And it probably was just a dream, but that one dream when we were in Vancouver and it felt Mm -hmm. so real, just him saying, I'm here to just make sure you're okay. Well, and that would kind of go with your, can they come back and forth? Well, I was going to say, I like they need to. I I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because that's quite uh, endearing that our loved ones might be able to come back and visit us when we have a strong desire to see them, perhaps. Maybe was, you were yearning to, maybe you were missing weird, him on some was, level. Yeah, and, and it uh, was just a weird upheaval in our lives. I mean, we moved to a different state. Yeah. So it was just. Well, maybe that was his way of saying, I know you moved and I'm still with you yeah. in spirit. Mm-hmm. And I'm just letting you know that you have my blessing. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. Could so. be. And I don't think there's nothing I can think of since then. And that was. Yeah. Eight years ago, seven years ago. When my grandma passed away, my mom and myself both felt like she touched our cheek. Mm -hmm. Exact same place. And and then from then, I never really sensed her again. But then we had that clock incident. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's her way of just kind of being able to come back to say, no, I'm still here. Check up and say, I'm still here. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I like that. That gives me the most comfort. Right. Thinking of it that way. Yeah. For sure. Well, but yeah. there's some type of sentience and they're not stuck somewhere. Cause I really, I, that idea of that's the thing that makes me really sad about some hauntings is when you feel like things are stuck there. Well, that's the next topic and we're going to get into that oh, right well, now. Yeah, I did that without even knowing. Yeah. And that's <laughs> good timing, babe, because yeah, the, the right here, um, I have here, uh, let me find it. Okay. Uh, so I was going to do a whole show on portals in the spirit realm. Turns out, 
there's not a lot of cohesive science. Concrete science. Yeah. Together. And so let's just attack it now here. Uh, portals, the spirit realm, and the veil between our world and theirs, and respecting their plight. Um, talk on what, what do you believe? Because a lot of our understanding of demons and negative entities is that it seems that, um, there, there can be what's called beacons. Uh, mediums and psychics and empaths tend to be bright, white lights. Mm-hmm. In, in like their the spirit world, yeah. they see us, they, they sense that we're on their frequency and they come to us because they need somebody to believe them or they need someone to comfort them or communicate. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, also sometimes what we'll see, and this is starting to become a pattern that I've noticed on a lot of episodes, including the Lamb House, where there's either a demon or a, or because we can't prove it's a demon, at least we know there's an oppressive spirit there that seems to be holding spirits talk about that a little bit that's just straight up creepy well yeah and i and it's hard to say if sometimes it seems like these areas happen because so much negativity has happened and Mm -hmm. then it just kind of becomes a an energetic a hotbed hotbed Um, a, 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 a spiritly a spirit kinetic energy that mm-hmm. kind of gets stronger and stronger and stronger <laughs> until it becomes its own thing. It, yeah. Well, that's kind of my theory on how portals happen mm-hmm. is that you either have natural portals around the earth because yeah, of like um, ley lines and ley lines like, and yeah. uh, perhaps water and various kinetic energy can create these uh, mm-hmm. magnetic forces that where the conditions are right, it creates a portal. Yeah. Um, and that's where that kind of goes into what we were saying, that shed down in Eugene, Oregon, where, mm-hmm. you know, the conditions are right. There seemed to be a portal there and it seemed to be a doorway or gateway to uh, the paranormal. And so not only were they getting a lot of ghost activity in the shed, but they were also getting the attraction of cryptids like Bigfoot who were coming to this and animals, mm-hmm. deer, bunny rabbits, yeah. various woodland creatures who are attracted to this energy force Mm -hmm. and they and it seems to be this hotbed and and while that sounds crazy sometimes our brains cannot wrap our or we cannot wrap our minds around how that works but yeah if i were to say that if portals are real it seems to be a congregation of very strong uh uh uh, what's the energy called with ghosts um where they, there's a concentration of psychic energy, and that psychic energy gets stronger and stronger and stronger, and perhaps what happens, it gets so strong, um, if it's a good spirit, it gets polarly aligned positively, and if it's negative, that's when you start getting the dark, mm-hmm. uh, oppressive energy and the shadows, and you get this strong negative force that almost seems like a magnet and that's what seems to be happening in a lot of these places where they suspect demons or or some negative entity oppressing and literally kidnapping ghosts. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what's happening, and it's scary. What do you think's going on at the Lamb House? It, it seems like something like that, and I don't know if the catalyst for it even becoming a portal type of situation is that you know the house was a, a funeral home. Well, I was going to say there probably if there's enough there's death. I would imagine happening. it it collects over time. Yeah. And as it gets stronger, um, it probably creates a rift in, you know, between our worlds. 
Mm-hmm. You know, because, I mean, think about it like this. I mean, what if the spirit realm really is nothing more than energy that we can't see that uh, is living at such a high frequency that it it's living with us, but but kind of up a frame. It's it's mm-hmm. living on just up on a higher frequency to the point where we can't always visually or audibly see them, except for in certain little glimpses. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. you know if we're coexisting with them all the time, um, that would make sense. And then so why not? Why couldn't there be a congregation of energy, whether that be negative or positive? That would create either a beacon or a, um, you know, kind of like a a prison, if you will. It seems to me like what's happening at the Lamb House is that he might have a demon and what like and that's where people go. Oh, God, here we go. Shit in the bed. But but what if a demon is nothing more than just a natural earth spirit and that Mm. it's always existed or it's been around for tens of thousands of years and it just kind of. It's because it seems to be attracted to dark places, attracted mm-hmm. to where there's a lot of uh, psychic turbulence and psychic energy. So yeah. perhaps it just attracts these spirits over time. And then once one is there, it exacerbates the problem by, um, you know, it's like Freddy Krueger. You're all my children. Mm-hmm. Now, you know. Well, and sometimes, too, you hear about areas mm-hmm. where it doesn't even seem like initially something it was an okay place, but then all of a sudden people started being compelled to do these bad things. So is it some type of energy that exists in a certain spot without things happening? Can you contribute to it? Can what do you it mean? Make you? Well, it, like I've heard of like houses and things where it's not necessarily, there can be places that for some reason it's just bad energy. And I don't yeah. know if it's necessarily well. because of ley lines or whatever, but well, if a lot of negative things happen, like a war, yeah, or or a lot of bad things happen, like a lot of murders, or a lot of bad things happen where a lot of children were uh, abused or something. But do those bad things happen because of just the energy in that particular place, or well, do those things contribute to I making think that's, a place again, like that? that chicken, kind of what a, came first, yeah. the chicken or the egg? Thing is, is that perhaps it's both. Perhaps. Yeah. Perhaps uh, there's places that are just preordained as negative places bad because energy. there's bad energy there. Yeah. Or for whatever reason. Or what happens is is bad energy collects Accumulates. over time yeah. and it strengthens and intensifies. Mm-hmm. That's what I believe. Yeah. I think it can be both, sure. but I think yeah. I think well, probably things mostly contribute to it. Like but- when you like like if you start plugging in for instances, like examples, like say say you take something like Auschwitz. Now you go do a do a, a voice or a ghost hunt in Auschwitz and you'll probably get a lot of negative energy. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean every entity there is negative. No, it's just it's that just you have a concentration happens. of bad negative energy that seems to congregate over time. And that perhaps could attract the demon or perhaps yeah. that creates a demon or perhaps yeah. all it does is strengthen the PK energy in that area to the point where uh, and that's the word psychokinetic mm-hmm. um, psychokinetic energy to the point where uh it just it becomes a negative uh energy you know like it, mm-hmm. it just becomes a negative void yeah. over time yeah. but what came first yeah right. i don't know i that's... mean that's what's so you know mystifying about the paranormal is we don't know you know are our demons born 
or do we are they, are they created? created or, yeah, are, they, yeah. are we creating them through our collective negativity and mm-hmm. collective evil? Is it all the evil in the world congregating? Or do these things just exist because there's a whole energy realm that we're not aware of? And so there's energy spirits all around us and always has been. And therefore, we're just now kind of, you know, seeing the little glimpse into that Mm -hmm. world through spirits and our technologies where it's like, oh, okay. You know, so that's just it. I mean, it's 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 crazy. It is fascinating. So when I'm thinking about the spirit realm, um, when I was a kid, I was a teenager, I had exactly one instance where I believe I astral projected. And I believe that astral plane, because the thing is, is I, I don't always believe in the astral plane um, until you break it up into something that makes more scientific sense for me mm-hmm. and so for what i believe because there, there was that one time either i had the most vivid dream ever or i really did leave my body for yeah. eh, 20 30 40 seconds mm-hmm. and then when i got scared i zipped back into my body and i do believe that that could be real but it could have been a very vivid dream as well but i it felt so real yeah. because i was actually willing myself to go up and down and move around and do these things it felt so real mm-hmm. um so I, I can't say for sure but when i think about the astral plane i mean that's kind of what i think of um some movies have depicted it pretty well i always imagine that a lot of ghosts are lost wandering spirits that some are just um, too attached to a place to want to move on. And so not all of them are lost, Not, um, but it does seem like there's a common thread of trauma or, or anger or hate or some strong, strong emotion that uh, sort of seems to exacerbate or perpetuate the phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And so when I think of the ghost world, I think of simply an energy plane. It's just an astral plane mm-hmm. where energies float around and congregate. And we don't see them with our naked eye except under certain very specific mm-hmm. conditions. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But what do you That's think is going on there? I, I like that idea of it. Um, mm-hmm. I, yeah, <clears throat> I don't know. It's like you we've talked about just things being on different frequencies. So they're, they are like, like you said, just a separate plane yeah. on a different well, frequency. And it's just here, fine. but we can't go ahead. Oh, Sorry. no, I was just going to say it's here, but we can't see it or hear it. Or yeah. sometimes it breaks through and right. Well, no. And that's the thing. Whenever I try to think about spirits, I always try to break it down scientifically and that's not to poo poo it. It's just to, that, we always call this supernatural but and paranormal, but what if this is a part of our natural world? It's just one that's more invisible and therefore mm-hmm. more elusive. Yeah. Because I, I tend to believe that being an empath is simply a natural part of our um, sixth sense. We, we're born mm-hmm. with it. We're born sensing vibes and danger. We're born sensing each other. We're born sensing strong energies. So, you know, that's why I just like people who make fun of it. It's like you're making fun of something that's very natural. Mm-hmm. And, and and so I don't believe it an... to be this weird magical yeah, thing. No, it's just kind of an amplification <clears throat> of something that is just there. Right. Well, and that's why, like, and I've talked about on uh, certain episodes where 
if people who are empaths want to get into, you know, spiritualism and new ageism and all that, that's fine. But that to me feels like a lifestyle choice more so than anything else. If that mm. lifestyle helps sort of strengthen their bond to that empathic power, great. That's fine. I just don't feel that hippy dippy. Like I do feel hippy dippy. There is some of that in me, but I don't feel the need so strongly that I start going down all into the tropes and all the mm. common hippy dippy aspects of it. If the, if some people, somebody does that and they and that helps them, great. Mm. You know, I'm yeah. I'm an open minded guy. Be what you are. Do what you want to do. Have fun. You know, that's what life is all about: is letting each other enjoy each other's differences. But uh, but when I'm t- when I'm thinking about the spirit realm particularly, um, yeah, I just think um, you know because color, sound are all vibrations. And mm-hmm. so when you think of our molecules, you you have to think about vibrations. And so anytime I'm thinking about this stuff, I always try to think about vibration. And the reason why we are on a certain plane of existence is because the physical world vibrates at a certain mm-hmm. frequency. Yeah. Whereas ghosts would simply vibrate as energy and therefore their molecules are further apart, and that's what makes them more transparent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? well, and we already know how limited we are as far as like light frequencies <clears throat> and sound frequencies for mm-hmm. things that we can't see and hear. So why wouldn't there be like energy frequencies that we yeah. can't see all the time or hear well, all the time? Right? we know for a fact that there's certain frequencies we can't detect yeah, exactly. without meters. Yeah. So, so why why would that be so hard to believe that PK energy is one of those frequencies? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So you guys, I paused because I had to pee, and then uh, I was getting ready to put my headphones back on, and I snapped the headphone and it hit me right in the eye. Ow! <laughs> I'm a black professional. Eye from, um, you know, my headphones. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably gonna have a black eye. Oh my goodness! It was a podcasting accident. <laughs> <laughs> it was a it was a hellish hellish experience. Uh, I was in a the big uh, <laughs> podcasting accident of uh, two, right. 2022. Anyway, uh, so yeah, portals, uh, the spirit realm. You know, I believe that the spirit realm is probably a very dreamlike state, I would imagine. It's probably mm-hmm. very um, ethereal and uh, kind of uh, quiet. I would imagine that many spirits are probably lost. So I would imagine there's probably a very creepy element sometimes, but then sometimes there might be a very enlightened and mm-hmm. positive. And that's what I mean is that if you think about physics, you think every molecule, every energy is, uh, you know, there's ions, negative and positive ions, the positive and negative alignments of energy. And so, you know, we can kind of take that all a little too literally sometimes, but at the end of the day, I mean, that's kind of what the spirit realm to me is, is just an, it's just, it's an energy realm. Uh, it's the realm that lives kind of with us, alongside us and above us, hence mm-hmm. paranormal, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of normal, but it's not quite normal. And so it's above normal. But I literally believe that the ghost plane um, lives in the same time, or at least in the same space as us. Just on a different level or frequency, mm-hmm. wouldn't you agree it, with yeah, that? It, that is a good way to describe it, I think. It's yeah, a, it's a plausible explanation for it, right? And so, when we're thinking about energy and we're thinking about the dynamics of energy, 
Um, it's not, you know, and that's why I'm trying to tell, that's why as an empath, I decided to do a show about empaths and the paranormal is because I want people to start understanding vibes and energy and moods. Um, energy can create moods. You ever just like get around yeah. a positive environment and you get more excited mm-hmm. or you get into a dreadful or negative environment and you get more morose or down. Yeah, um, energy absolutely. can affect us whether we know it or not. And that's, you know, of course, sometimes that just happens because it's gloomy outside and mm-hmm. we're sick and tired of fucking winter in Oregon and it's bumming us out. But other times it could be, you know, and that's why cleansing and energy cleansing is so it's about resetting the deck where you're you're yeah. you're creating a neutral environment. So if there is any possible uh, negative energy that you've collected over time, you're mm-hmm. kind of resetting the chessboard, yeah. if you will, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, definitely. and and, you know, that's what I believe is. Might can't hurt, might help. Yep. As my, as Rebecca says. Apparently my mantra now. That's going to be on your tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> can't hurt, might help. <laughs> Anyways, did you, uh, real quick, uh, I know that we were talking about portals and then you kind of uh, reminded me of that portal with the mirrors. Go ahead and yeah, talk about that a little just bit. One episode that we saw and um, there was a, it was a shop and there was a room in the shop and there was a mirror on one wall and then a mirror on the opposite wall. So the mirrors were facing each other. Right. And this person that was investigating had this theory that mirrors facing each other can somehow energetically create some type of portal. Right. It was just an interesting thing to think about because mirrors are so interesting. Like if, especially when mirrors are together, like Mm -hmm. you can see how things just kind of, it's like, it kind of creates an infinity. Yeah, exactly. So an an infinity loop. mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. totally. So My just, only problem with that is... I didn't say I believed it. I'm just saying it was Okay, <laughs> yeah. Did you have something else to say? No, about? I just... I, it was an interesting theory. Yeah, Because things no, had happened course. in that room yeah, in that I, space. I don't, I don't think you're saying you necessarily yeah. believe it. Yeah. You're just saying it's a possible theory. You know, and that's the thing is that... um, Hold on. I'm drinking energy drink. Hold on. Okay. Had to burp. Sorry, you guys. Um, but, yeah, when we're, when we're uh, thinking about portals... And, and, and the spirit realm, you know, like my only problem with, with that whole theory, you know, is that um, I know how mirrors are made. Mm-hmm. It's made with it's a, a piece, piece of, of glass, glass and, paint. <laughs> and, and paint and a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And you got yourself a mirror. Yeah. Um, so it kind of demystifies the mirror but thing does, for me. But then, but, yeah. But then you've also... But, I've heard about places that they well, keep the mirrors covered because... Yeah. Some people think just mirrors in themselves are well, portals. Well, what if a mirror, because there was that one episode where they were only catching ghosts in the mirror. So if mm-hmm. when we're looking at a reflection, we're not seeing our exact true selves. We're seeing a representation of us that's opposite. Mm-hmm. And so what if, just like a camera, what if there's some filtration process happening there that happens to kind of coincide with the spirit realm where mm-hmm. we were catching things in the mirror that we're not catching in real life. Yeah. Cause maybe it's creating some filter or some dynamic mm-hmm. where it's, it's, yeah. you know, and there was that other episode we watched <clears throat> where she had that big armoire thing and it had a big mirror on it. Yeah. And when the mirror was covered, mm-hmm. stuff wasn't happening. Yeah. And when it was uncovered, things were happening. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, and that's the thing, you guys, is that at the end of the day, um, we come into this as 
skeptics who believe, not believers who are skeptic, although sometimes it's interchangeable. Mm-hmm. Um, I come from the skeptical community, and the reason why I joined the skeptical community is that I was a Christian for many, many years, and it starts informing your belief system about the afterlife and about ghosts and, uh, you know, huh? Everything. Yeah, and um, sometimes for the better and sometimes for the worse, and that's kind of the thing about, like, what was always kind of weird to me is that people believe in God, but they don't believe in ghosts. And I think that just kind of goes into they they're 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 taught not to get into the occult because it's pagan and because it's evil. And so to steer clear of anything that could possibly open up negative entities and energy. Mm -hmm. So in that regard, I understand their point. Um, just that if you're going to believe in invisible things that aren't there, maybe, I don't know, include visible, invisible things that aren't there, <laughs> right, <laughs> you, yeah. you know, and, and I'm not, you know, cause I, I come from a, as a, I was a Christian for a long time. And, um, you know, when my grandparents died, my grandma died in 1999, my grandfather died. In fact, I was the one who found him passed away and cause he lived at my mom's and, um, and so uh, I had to close his eyes and I had to pull him, wait for the coroner and all that. I had to wake them up and uh, it was just awful. But yeah. my point is, is that um, the afterlife is this sometimes comforting thing and sometimes it's this scary thing. Um, but, you know, Christianity for me, like I got into the skeptical community really because it was informing my senses so much that I was starting to believe all this stuff. And really, it was chipping away at my mental health. And so I had to start becoming more uh, more refined and more um, sharp and more crisp in my belief systems. Because I think in this world, you can be open-minded to all these things, and that's a good thing. But if you're open-minded to the point where... Um, it's creating um, a lot of uh, uncertainty. It's, it's it, You're starting to believe in things that aren't real. Um, you're starting to hear whispers in your head, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. My point is, is that believing in too much can be a slippery slope into mental health problems, into overbelief. What, what do you think about overbelief? Because I think there's a fine line. I mean, I, I think it's a good thing to be practical and be skeptical, but I and 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 also be a believer. Both are good, but I do believe that some people believe to an unhealthy degree, mm-hmm. and, and that's not necessarily attached to their religion. But what do you think about people who believe in all of this and everything? They seem to be um, have more problems and more psychic attack mm-hmm. and more mental health problems. Well, I think just being such a believer and believing in anything and everything, it just it opens you up more. Yeah. So you are more vulnerable to right. things actually happening well, to you. So it can have be a double That's a good way of looking of at it. So if you're a believer in God, perhaps that opens you to the spiritual realm because you're always opening a communication to that mm-hmm. world or that Yeah. That and who knows exactly realm? where that opening is going right. to or yeah and just because you're trying to contact god doesn't necessarily mean you wouldn't inadvertently contact mm-hmm. something else yeah um but also yeah it also helps you to be because that's you know they call deeply religious people deeply spiritual and that can open up your mind to mm-hmm. that realm being open-minded 
I think it's good to be open-minded, but can we be too open-minded to where mm-hmm. we uh, open ourselves to psychic attack? What do you think? Yeah, I think so. <clears throat> For one, just being that open-minded sometimes can just leave you gullible to anything. Right. That's my only problem. And that's the thing. That's why after being Christian, I, I turned to the skeptical community because I needed um, – the truth is, is I was reeling too much about the death of my grandparents. And then I started getting where I was always thinking about what they must be thinking of me when I was having problems in my life. You know, Mm -hmm. perhaps I was having a a depression spell. Perhaps I was having anxiety. Perhaps I was, uh, you know, having problems at work, but I always felt like they were up there judging me Mm -hmm. or that I was in some way letting them down. And now, in retrospect, I realize that my grandparents would love me no matter what. Yeah, exactly. But, I don't know, just the idea of them being able to look down and gaze upon me at any time uh, gives me, in in, a, in one instance, it gives me comfort. In another instance, it gives me a creep factor. Right, yeah. It's a little <laughs> weird. Well, and a lot of... And the thing is, with a lot of these really religious beliefs, is mm-hmm. most of it is centered around death. And dying. Yeah. I have to do this here. So when I die, I can do this. Right. I have to be good here. Because so you're when saying I that die, there's a hyper focus on, on death, death and, in the afterlife. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that can For create some like, unhealthy patterns, some unhealthy thinking. And that's the thing is we're not poo-pooing religion, you guys. What no. we're trying to say is, is that when you think and concentrate too much on the afterlife or thinking too much about death or think too much about the profundity of having to live this virtuous life, we mm-hmm. put too too much guilt and shame and expectations on ourselves, mm-hmm. And in such, we can damage our mental health over time because we put too much pressure on ourselves to be perfect. Yeah. And sometimes they're so focused on what's going to happen when they die. They don't actually live their life. Right. And it just leaves an opening to psychic death attack and the, the afterward. Because you're, making, and, you're yeah. leaving yourself vulnerable, perhaps. Because yeah. that's all you think about. Right. And that just boils down to the problem with being obsessive about anything. Mm-hmm. It's just not healthy. Right. When you're just obsessing on one thing or one thing. Well, that's a good item. point because religion can um, <clears throat> align you with positive things, community, faith, people, uh, you know, working together to do some good in the world. So I do believe there is a collective good to that. Mm-hmm. And that's not why I got out of religion. I didn't get out of religion for any disrespectful reasons. I don't mock religion. I, I'm, I just got to a point where I was obsessively thinking about death. I was obsessively exactly. thinking about um, being judged by my grandparents or being judged by God for some of my very normal, natural things that I shouldn't feel guilt and shame over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just being me, being a guy. Mm-hmm. And so when you start feeling like you have to live this straight and narrow all the time, it just creates a, a, a world where you, you obsess on whether or not you're making God happy, or you obsess on whether you're making your grandparents happy. And so um, over time, I, um, because, you know, in the time I had the strongest belief in God uh, was probably the worst time in my life and yeah. and i don't blame god because honestly i don't believe he's there 
Now, that might upset you guys if you're religious, and I, I mean no disrespect. It's just that if there was this active God agent in our life, you would think things would go more smoothly. Mm-hmm. There would be a lot more help and a lot less neglect. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I don't mean disrespect. I, I just mean that uh, the world, if, if the world really was in God's image, then you would think there would be a lot more proof of such. And, 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 you know, but I am like a to each their own kind of person. If people get good things out of religion, I think that's a good thing for me. It just, I, I got into the skeptical community because the truth is, is that when you don't, question what's real in life you start questioning nothing in life and and that can lead you to a world that's not that's full of fantasy and make-believe i mean a worst case scenario would be you believe in god but you're a really angry karen type and you voted for trump and you say you believe in all this social change but then you vote for the guy who doesn't believe in social change and I don't mean to make this political, but my point is, is that if you get too filled your head full of crazy ideas, uh, you can then trick your mind into all kinds of things. And as such, you not only do you open yourself to a psychic attack, but you can also fill your head full of fantasies and then and convince yourself of all these things that are happening that uh, eventually tear away at your spiritual or emotional health. Yeah. And that's that's how cults happen, right? Because people, charismatic people, take advantage of people that feel that way about things, right? And, right. And, and that's why I don't like Trump because I don't believe he's an agent of good. Uh, I I don't believe that he cares about other people's best interests, and I and he he may be charismatic to them, but to me, I mean, I've been saying it for years. What do you see in this guy? I just don't get it. Um, that being said, I'm not trying to make this political. I just mean to say, though, that um, when you start believing in things that aren't real, you can go down a world of make-believe that, that makes your thinking very superstitious, and that superstition over time might make you neurotic. It might make you think too much about the spirit realm. It might think make you think about the fantasy world that you've concocted in your head so often and to such a degree that um, you get no solace out of reality mm-hmm. because there is no reality. Because every time you, you know, every every time the wind blows, you're thinking about God. Not to say, you know, that that's always bad, but I just mean you're thinking about God or you're thinking about ghosts or you're thinking about the spirit realm or you're thinking about all the magical, mystical creatures around you. And then how could you ever get a moment's peace when your mind is saturated full of these beliefs that you can never, ever be alone, that you're always around ghosts and spirits, that you're always being bugged by the afterlife, that you're constantly. And I'm not saying that, you know, some psychics do end up having ghost encounters. So I'm not talking about that, but I'm just saying, how do we separate those who are legitimately um, a beacon to the spirit realm and those who just think they are? Mm hmm. It's, yeah, you, you know? just have to be aware of that. You have to just kind yeah. of take it on a case-by-case basis. And Well, and that's kind of my point is that at the end of the day, some instances of being a psychic, some instances of being religious, some instances of being a ghost believer 
uh, can actually do more harm than good to your own mental health to and to basically if we, if we don't get somewhat skeptically minded about this uh the land of make believe starts to outweigh the the real world and therefore everything starts to lose its meaning mm-hmm. so we have to yeah. have baselines of reality yeah and so the skeptical community taught me how to be <clears throat> practical about this now that being said when i entered skepticism uh it was more to help me get over my fear of hell it was more to uh, help me deal with uh, my guilt and shame over god and my grandparents um but then also it was to help me um sort out my feelings and my emotions because as an empath i was feeling things that weren't my own and therefore, I was starting to lose my fucking mind. I was going mm-hmm. through panic disorder. I was having anxiety. And so mm-hmm. I had to learn to block and filter. And so for me, the skeptical community saved me because I started to believe in things that were more tangible and grounded. And uh, that world helped to shape my, my um, <clears throat> you know, just my mental health. It helped create a world of concretes. Where not lurking behind every tree was a shadow or a ghost or a god or an angel or something. Mm-hmm. You get to that point where if you overbelieve, I do believe it makes you a zealot. And not only could you open yourself to psychic attack, but also you can also start creating a magical, mysterious world that um, it might be fun, but it's not real. And so where mm-hmm. do we draw that line? You know, that's the thing about us is that, yes, we're believers, but, you know, certain things seem more possible and tangible than others and and so the baselines that we accumulate the knowledge that we accumulate in the phenomenon that i would call uh, corroborating evidence is anytime you have more than one piece of evidence that work in tandem with each other Mm -hmm. to um, strengthen the likelihood that something is actual that we're actually visiting a being visited by a ghost here um it helps to have corroborating evidence it's great when you have visual evidence but it's even better when you have visual and audio or you can yeah. get answers to questions about a person, something that corroborates the veracity of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, the more evidence, the better. But, yeah, I just, I don't know, you know, because I, I am a very open-minded spiritual person. But when I open myself too much to spirituality, there just seems to be no end in sight of what we our minds will believe. Yeah. So what do you sure. think? Well, and I think just being that way, like I, I think I've said before, it just opens you up to too many things. There's yeah. there's negative things out there that right. you invite in that you don't even realize you are. And then all of a sudden you're lost in this other depression or whatever. And yeah. you just have to be careful. You just have to be careful with yourself and your psyche. And yeah, don't open yourself up too much think, to things yeah and, because at what point are we you know because a lot of people think that um being a call calling myself an empath is like some <clears throat> living in make-believe but everybody who knows me for real knows that i'm a scientific pragmatist mm-hmm. the only reason why i call myself an empath is because i came to the training and realization over time that energy was real that we mm-hmm. feel this stuff and that it can inform our senses. That's it. Well, and you it's see, not a magic gift. No, and you see, <laughs> we can use it to our advantage. But a lot of times, it, I think people put too much emphasis on what it is instead of 
mm-hmm. realizing that it's just a natural phenomenon. Yeah. And it's not something mm-hmm. you just like fall for. It's kind of you have a lifetime of experiences right. accumulating. Right. And not that this is part of being an empath, but I've had too many times where I'll I'll think of somebody out of the blue and then an hour later I'll see them. Yeah. Or like going to work the other day. I literally had this weird, <clears throat> like weird fleeting thought before I went to work. Oh, there's going to be an audit at customer service today. Oh, fuck that. It's Sunday. There's not going to be an audit. I get there and what's happening? Somebody's standing there to do an audit. Well, and that he kind of goes into, remember how they described the Mothman as not being psychic, but simply being able to see something from a higher vantage point. Mm-hmm. I believe psychics are different than empaths in that empaths are more vibes and emotion centric. Whereas mm-hmm. I believe psychics have this ability and media of mediumship and seeing into the future just a little bit further than the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Because the, and, and I've talked about this before is you talk about, the time and space bubble that we live in is that we live a little bit into the future and a little bit into the past, but not very far. Psychics just believe their bubble is just a little bit bigger. Yeah. They're, we're traveling in a time space bubble. And all I mean by that, it's not literal. Mm-hmm. It, it just means that when you're living, you're, you're, you're progressing in time and space. Mm-hmm. You can see the measurement of time and you can see the measurement of space. Oh, you were here. Now you're over here. Time. It was this year. Now it's this year. So my point mm-hmm. is, is that we're all traveling through time and space. We are all time and space travelers. Yeah. Just that we're t- traveling through time and space in our natural time, mm-hmm. you know. But if we open ourselves to that time and space bubble that we exist in, we can stretch that bubble and make it a little bit bigger where we can see a little mm-hmm. bit more into the future or we yeah. can see a little bit more into the past or we can be slightly more aware of what's around us, the things that are less tangible, the or, intangibles. Yeah, or the, with the, when those things happen to me, who knows if it's just because this woman got up on her, you know, got up, got in her car and went, you know, with the intent that she's going to go do an audit and mm-hmm. maybe just that little shift in energy just kind of. Yeah something in my brain well, and you know when i was a kid so boy i i don't get it nearly as much now but when you know that's why i'm more of an empath than a psychic but i was a psychic when i was a kid i would say oh phone's about to ring and it would yeah oh so-and-so's coming over and they would yeah and after a lifetime of these things happening yeah you believe it more and more because there's an accumulation of evidence well and i believe that that alignment into that realm is one that can be interesting, but can also cause problems too. And so, and and so, I just think that we shouldn't over have an over reliance on our understanding oh, no. of the spirit mm-hmm. realm, or our over reliance on um, sixth sense. Uh, it should serve us, but but if you put too much emphasis on it, or if you put too much into it. Um, there's been many, many cases where we've shown that psychics can and do uh, really good stuff. Mm-hmm. Then again, we've seen many instances where they've been debunked as frauds, too, yeah. where when you try to call upon it on demand, it's just not there. And that's what I mean as a psychic is sometimes it just comes without us knowing it because when we try to call upon it, it doesn't always happen. Mm-hmm. And that's why... It's a very unreliable gift. It is one to help serve our senses, but if we over rely on it or turn it into a parlor trick, it's almost like the universe is like, no, we right. don't get to exactly. turn this into that. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know what and I, mean? I think all this is just to say that I we don't believe things hook, line, and sinker, but as a lifetime of mm. seeing things happen and, and yeah. watching things and seeing evidence, you just kind of build beliefs based on what you see. Right. The things that yeah. are evident. Well, yeah, that's what I think it is. At the end of the day, I mean, being an empath for me is no more, no less than we can sense vibes and energy. It does not mean necessarily we're psychic. It does not necessarily mean anything else. But how can we deny that we sense things around us? It's there. We sense emotions. We sense intentions. We sense hate and anger. Mm -hmm. We sense fear, anxiety, paranoia. We can sense those things in people. We can sense those things in environments. And we can sense those things in ghosts and spirits. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I talk about all of this in one show because they all so interconnected in some way. Yep. Absolutely. You know, but yep. Uh, yeah, good stuff, babe. Um, yeah. That's kind of what we got for you guys. Um, is there anything else that we need to talk about? Yeah. So. so, you know, um, and that's the thing, you know, you know, they say, you know, keep an open mind, but not so open your brain falls out. Um <clears throat> When we're talking about our mental health and our emotional health and our spiritual health, we have to know how to create an equilibrium. We have to learn how to create a balance. And if we get too much into the paranormal, we we get an imbalance. If we get too much into religion or spirituality, we create an imbalance. So it's not about denying those things. It's about learning how to enjoy these things in a way where we're still grounded uh, emotionally we're still grounded energetically and we're still um, living in the real world. If you, if you, if you let go of all of what you know about the real tangible world and you go into a fantasy world of make believe, there's no end in sight of what we can trick our brains into thinking we are thinking we saw or thinking we can do. And so it's not that we're trying to be mean or rude or, or cruel to anybody um, but, you know, I, I think, you know, yes or no, Are the, is the fire lady and the water lady real? Uh, probably mm. no. But then with that lady with <laughs> yeah. the water thing, like she literally well, came, had this, this image that she was looking for someone that had a picture of someone that looked like that. Mm-hmm. This lady's like, well, it looked like my kid when he was this, when he was a child. Yeah. And then they ended up getting EVPs from him. Right. So, well, and that's but, why... I don't, I believe ghosts, just like uh, empaths, just like anything. Well, empaths is more common, but I believe that women with special gifts like that, it could be a real thing. It's a very rare thing. Um, how they figure that out is hard to say, mm-hmm. but maybe they've just always been aligned with the spiritual realm and they just found this thing out by accident and here it is yeah the manifestation of it for them in their particular situation well at the end of the day i don't believe in the phenomenon itself Mm -hmm. but when you have families that have been helped and you see all this corroborating evidence i'm like okay i would not normally believe but in Mm -hmm. in this instance i say okay i think there is a a way to accept that there's an always going to be an exception to the rule we don't know everything and yeah. things come through in weird ways that we couldn't predict or it, yeah yeah and i'd be more inclined to believe the water lady mm-hmm. because she actually had kind of 
backing up evidence eventually when mm-hmm. she found this other person right. as opposed to the other lady who was, yeah, well she did have more corroborating mm-hmm. evidence with the yeah. families and photos and proof and people yeah. outside of her <clears throat> household i tend to think that the fire pictures that she were she was showing us it's kind of like when someone says that's the problem sometimes when you have a ghost hunter that's very deeply religious or or a ghost hunter that um uh, believes they're a psychic or something is that sometimes that can help but sometimes also we can um, taint the evidence and and filter the evidence through our cultural belief systems and through our religious beliefs yeah. to the point where um, it, it becomes, um, you know, we, we have to rely on real tangible evidence. And so mm-hmm. as far as evidence is concerned, uh, I think it helps to be open minded to gather evidence. Mm-hmm. But I also believe that the only evidence that's going to pass muster in the scientific community, if that's what we're aiming for, is, um, you know, stuff that can only be recorded in the real world. Yeah. We cannot mm. rely on inference. We cannot rely on intuition. We cannot rely on secondhand stories. We have to rely on physical, you know, video or audio and that's why it's always better when there's a couple different things recording one instant. There's each a other, DVP, right. there's a video of something, sure. there's that. So just anything that can be corroborated just lends credibility to things. Absolutely. So that's, yeah, good talk. Yeah. Thanks, babe. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, you guys, you know, that's the thing about all this is that um, we try very hard to keep an open mind. But you have to be skeptical at some point, too. If you believe in all of this stuff, hook, line, and sinker, you're more likely to live an interesting life, but it might, <laughs> it might deal, it might, you know, it might affect your mental and emotional health over time. And you can open yourself up to psychic attacks sometimes. And so, you know, that's why I believe in all this stuff and I watch this stuff and I enjoy this stuff, but I take days, if not weeks off from it. Not only from being an empath, but from the the ghost stuff too, because um, it starts sort of carrying with it a, a heavy toll, a heavy burden. Yeah, um, and it, it extracts a toll over time. If you're not careful, you'll find yourself in a weird, dark place, and you kind of have to join the living and enjoy all of the, the what the natural world has to offer too, mm-hmm. and just keep that balance. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah we say balance. That's right. Balance and can't hurt might help. Those are the two <laughs> exactly. things apparently now. <laughs> well, anyway, thank you, hon. You're welcome. And thank you guys for joining us on a, another wonderfully fun uh, episode of Surviving Empathy. We are here twice a week for your uh, mental health needs, for your uh, paranormal needs, and for your empath needs, as well as trying to find and carve out a robust, sustainable, progressive uh, you know, quality of life for all of us. It's not about political left. I mean, or political progressive. I just mean small p progress for all of us. When we start uh, figuring out what's best practices in our world, we can start calling out the, the psychic attackers, the corporations, the bad people, the ones that are making it harder and more difficult for this life to get better, to get more happy we, you know it's just like in a ghost haunting you have what's called external tormentors or you have what's called oppression oppressive energy oppressive energy in the spirit world is the same as in the real world what we call uh tyrannical or fascistic or oppressive or regressive mentalities those are oppressors ladies and gentlemen and we fight them 
not only in the spirit realm, but in the real world too. <laughs> so, yep, absolutely. Anyways, thanks you guys. We'll be back next week. We've got so much more for you. We're going to be going into the weeds with our mental health. We're going to be going in more and more in, in depth with the paranormal. But we wanted to kind of set up sort of these uh, surveys, these baselines. We don't want to get too deep into the woods without first sort of setting up the world and setting up what this is all about. And so that's what it's about. And thank you, Han. Welcome. And uh, you guys enjoy your day. And uh, well, have a good one. Oh, you can reach us at Surviving Empathy Podcast on Instagram or Chef Bride Comedy everywhere else. Uh, I have a Patreon page. You can pitch in a couple of bucks if you want. Uh, that helps us strengthen our empath tribe and our mission so that we can help people more and more and more. And uh, where can we reach you, you baby? Nerdy gal. So there you go. Come on over and uh, have a talk with us. And we will see you guys next time. Thank you for joining us. We love you. Bye-bye. Bye.